Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. My name is Nick Shaw and I'm the Communications Director here at the church. And today we are joined by another very special guest. Pastor Lamoris Crawford is here from Cincinnati, Ohio to share with us his unique perspective on faith. I cannot wait any longer, so without further ado, let's jump right into it. Crossroads, what is up? Y'all awake? Y'all are early birds. I'll come to first service. Get it out the way. Second service, lazy. Come on, somebody. Um, it's an honor to be here with you. And as I was sitting there, uh, first, let me give honor to where honor is due. Pastor Craig, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Um, can't wait to meet your wife. I'm assuming she's the better half. Come on, somebody. And, um, and so thank you for allowing me. And I think Arby reached out, which I haven't met. So, Arby, kudos to you for reaching out to a brother. But I'm honored to be here with you. And before I get into my message, I, during worship, I had this thought about Crossroads Church. I actually had a message that I sent, notes, everything, but God dropped something in me, I believe, just for you today. But before I get to that, I had this thought that the devil loves nice Christians. When I walked into Crossroads, I felt like there's a lot of nice white people in here today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> now, if I crack any white jokes, I have full permission because my wife is white. Come on, somebody. <laughs> my father-in-law white. Yeah, they all white. So I got a green light on everything I say today. But the devil loves nice Christians. But you know the type of Christian that he hates? A militant one. It is time for the church to get militant about our faith. Because if you casual about your faith, you will end up a casualty. We are in the period of time that the Bible talks about more than any other period in human history. And you are alive to see it. So what are you going to do about it? It start. We must stop being nice. Oh, I'm about to preach. It is imp- Listen to me, church. It is time to stand up to be militant about the things of God. And all through Paul's writings, he gives us this militancy mindset of a soldier and a shield and a breastplate and a sword. Come on, somebody. Online, y'all hear me. I know y'all feel me online. I know y'all with me. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to share my story, which I always do before I preach, and then I believe God's going to speak to us all today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the honor and privilege of being here today. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I give you complete reign and authority. Holy Spirit, I ask you to articulate the Father's heart through my voice to your people. I pray that every ear is open, every heart is open, every mind is open to receive that which you have for us. So I ask you humbly to invade this space. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. What the Bible says, we overcome Satan by, we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so God already did his part. 
Jesus ain't dying again. His blood is still speaking today. So the quickest way to get Satan out of a space is to share what he's done in your life. Come on, I mean, y'all like Kool-Aid. I'm in Indiana, my bad. Come I on, mean, y'all like lemonade. Come on, somebody. <laughs> lemonade is not good without a little sugar. It's a combo. You want to get Satan out of your life? Just remind him of what Jesus has done in your life. It's a combo. He died, he rose again, and guess what? You encounter him, he changes you. Come on. So I'm originally from Chicago, born and bred. I grew up in a housing project called Argyle Gardens on the south side of Chicago. And my grandmother raised nine kids on welfare as a single parent. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. And so my mom had me at 14, had my brother at 16, she was shot in the head at 17. I've never met my dad. I don't know who he is. My family don't know who he is. My uncle was in a gang. He was murdered, shot in the head at 17. My aunt was in a domestic violent relationship. Her boyfriend murdered her at the age of 28 and had another aunt that died at 15 from a brain tumor from asbestos in the projects. And so my grandmother raised nine kids. Four died. She raised nine grandbabies on welfare, in the projects. I slept three to a bed. And so I grew up with this huge question mark on top of my head of who am I, why am I here? I did not understand why life happened to me the way it did. And so I completely rebelled. My grandma did the best she could with what she had. I'm so blessed. My grandmother was a warrior. Come on, somebody. My grandma was 72 years old when she passed away, never having a driver's license. We took the bus everywhere. As a matter of fact, my grandmother was such a hustler, she would bum a ride off of you and you would pay her gas money. Come on. My grandma can stretch $10 and feed 14 people. But she did the best she could with what she had. But I completely rebelled. No one in my family finished high school. No one in my family went to college. I wasn't made to go to school. There was two main reasons I went. Number one, I got a free meal. I was on a hot lunch plan. I knew if I went to school that day, I would eat because I would come home hustling, eating syrup sandwiches, sugar sandwiches, powdered milk. I sat in the back of the class on purpose, and I would steal kids' lunches out their book bag so I could have food after school. The second reason why I went to school was I love gym class. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Ain't no PE. I went to gym. Old school red dodgeball print to the face gym class. Come on. Real dodgeballs, not these tickle me elbows. Come on. You get hit with a dodgeball today. You <laughs> no, you get hit with a dodgeball in the 90s. Come on, you going to the nurse. But I picked up a basketball and it became an escape of reality. When I was on the court, it didn't matter that I was abandoned. It didn't matter that I felt alone. When I had a ball in my hands, it changed my life. My desk sat next to the teachers. I was a kid that was in trouble. I was a kid that was suspended. I was in a gang by 11 and selling crack cocaine by the age of 13. Barely graduated the eighth grade, made it to high school by a miracle. My high school was 2,500 kids. I was a four-year starter on the basketball team, and I was the man. No, for real, I was the man. So I thought, do whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted, however I wanted. Let me just park here to the young people real quick. 
Nobody tell you that at the end of popularity is emptiness. I was turned about King Homecoming Court, prom court. I was voted the most athletic out of my class, but my heart was broken. So don't chase being popular. Chase being purposeful. So my senior year, I'm being recruited. I always wanted to leave Chicago. I was like, give her brother a scholarship to Alaska. Send me to Africa. Get me up out of here. I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. How many think you go to college with a 14? Raise your, you better not raise your hand. You chilling with me at the community college. Now, ain't nothing wrong with the community college. But if you don't put in the work, you will not get the success. And so I ended up taking a scholarship um, to that community college. I got a full ride. And when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter that changed my life. I didn't encounter church. I didn't encounter religion. I encountered a person. And his name was Jesus. He changed my life. My first cousin was the leader of a gang. At 16 years old, he had 300 kids under his authority. They carried dope for him, guns for him. He, he walked his girl home after work. Her dad locked him in the living room and preached the gospel to him. And he gave his life to Christ. Three years later, he set me down, told me the gospel, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. From that one decision, I finished at that community college with an associate's degree, transferred to a four-year university, got my bachelor's and master's degree. Come on, somebody. I'm the first in my family ever to go to college and get a degree. My cousin, first cousin, just graduated from the same university. So there's two in my family. Come on, somebody. So you thinking we from Avon, Indiana. What does that story have to do with me? We got a couple things in common. Number one, you got the data leave here. The color of your skin, your economic status, how many degrees, what you drive, where you live, you have to die to leave here. So the question is, how do you want to be remembered? When you die, people are going to come into your funeral. What kind of conversations are they going to have about you? You get one shot at life. Once you stop breathing, it's over. How are you going to leave your mark? What are you going to do with your life? You are not here by accident. God has you designed here on purpose, for a purpose. What are you going to do with it? And that ain't on God. That's on you. There's no excuse. How do you want to be remembered? The tragedy of life and death is not dying. The tragedy of life and death is rising, riding past a cemetery and thinking of all the preachers and politicians and business owners and guys who could have made it to the league, authors, inventors, men and women dying, not living up to their God-given potential. Second thing we got in common, we all born sinners. You come that way. It ain't your mama fault, daddy, or greasy, greasy grandpaper. You are born into sin. Adam jacked us up. Can't wait when I get to heaven. I'm excited to see Jesus. Got a couple questions for Moses, Elijah. I got some few. I got some questions for them brothers. But the first person I'm beelining it for is Adam. With one question. Brother, do you realize you plummeted the entire human race? Thank God you made it. But Adam did a sin. The moment Adam sinned, Sin was infused in your DNA. 
So God don't send people to hell, pastor. You born going there. But God throws a life raft through the cross. It says, you don't have to. I sent my son to die for you. So that's why you got to encounter Jesus to encounter God to encounter eternity. You ain't that good looking. Your bank account ain't that deep. You ain't a good person. You born a sinner. You need a savior. Oh, I don't know what y'all thought I came here to do. Come on, somebody. Now I'm about to get to my message because that clock is not going to stop. If I could title this message this morning, it would be in the form of a question. So now what? So now what? We are a week removed or so from one of the most traumatic events on American soil. The depression rate has risen in a year. The divorce rate has risen in a year. The domestic violence rate has risen in a year because of this thing we call the coronavirus. Dreams have been halted. Purposes have been stalled. So now what? God did not trip or fall off the throne because of corona. There's more miracles and testimonies during corona. Come on, somebody. But what do you do when you come against something that's out of your control? What do you do when you come up against things that's prevailing and pushing you back from your purpose? We see this event in the story of Abram. God calls his brother in chapter 12 and look at him and say, leave your family and your country to a place I will show you. You know why Abraham is in the hall of faith? Because that brother left with no questions. God told him to leave and didn't even tell him which way to go. We can't even go to Kmart. Did I just say Kmart? You know the first thing I bought with my drug money? A basketball rim from Kmart. We can't even go to Target without GPS. This brother left his country without knowing where to go. Faith. God tells him, I'm going to give you seed. Look at the sand. Look at the stars. They will outnumber them. He is 75 years old with not one child. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to even ask what 75-year-olds are doing intimately. Come on, somebody. As long as I'm breathing in Jesus' name. Got to keep it PG. We got kids in the room. We might have to do a marriage conference, Pastor. But Abraham is 75 years old. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 17, where we're going to park today, he's 99 with no seed. What do you do when you don't see the promises of God? What do you do when you feel like God has not come through in the pandemic? When he hasn't come through financially, when he hasn't come through physically for healing, when he hasn't come through in deliverance, what do you do? 
what I believe God is going to show us in the story of Abram. So if you have your Bibles, which I challenge you to bring to church, pastor made a comment this morning. I've been an itinerant traveling preacher for 17 years. And I get, I go, I'm all over the country and they ask me for my text and I don't like giving it to them, pastor. Because the American church has gotten lazy. We rely on a screen to show us the text instead of being hungry enough to go get it ourselves. Nice Christians. You can't destroy demons in your life being nice. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Some of y'all too comfortable. And that's why you're not winning. See, you feel like you're alive on the outside because of where you live, what you drive, and the color of your skin. But let me tell you, if you don't feel any pressure, then you're not doing something right. I can't find not one person in the Bible, not one, who was comfortable. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Genesis 17, bring your Bible to church. When you go to a meeting with your boss, you ain't showing up empty-handed. So you're going to come to God's house without a Bible? This is the church of the living God. Let's be an example to a dying world. Don't be ashamed of your Bible. I was reading my Bible in the airport the other day, and I almost felt this thing like, I rebuked that spirit quick. You finna read your magazine? You finna read these stupid Facebook posts? I can read my Bible. Come on, church. I ain't come here to patty cake you. Come on, online. Go get your Bible. Put that coffee down. I came here to provoke you to righteousness. That's my assignment today. I got 20 minutes, y'all. Let's get it. Genesis 17, eight verses, three points, and I'll let you be. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. I will be their God. Abram. Now, 99 years old, 24 years of not having a seed, God appears to him. He's up against the wall. He doesn't see the promises birthed in his life. So what did Abram do that we can apply today to get God to move on our behalf? Ladies, God is a gentleman. He would not force his way on you. 
He won't deceive you to get something. Stop relying on a guy to give you what only God can. You don't have to give up your purity to be popular. It's sacred. Don't do it. Don't compromise who you are to be someone God never designed you to be. We still got adults conforming. I know I'm cool. I know I'm cool. I don't need some dude making $30 million to measure myself. I know I'm cool. First day, you know my first chapel in the NFL? First thing came out of my mouth. I do not wear pro athletes jerseys. If anything, you should be wearing mine. Because I know who I am. Stop wearing jerseys that don't belong to you. You're not depressed. You're not ugly. You're not dumb. Take the jersey off. Put on a breastplate of righteousness. That's a jersey. It's quiet in this church. Come on, Lord. So number one, when the question comes, so now what? Number one, you got to get in God's presence. Look what Abram did. The Bible says in verse three, then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. From Genesis 12 to 17, read it on your own. Every time God talked to Abraham, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. This is the first time we see God talked with him. Why? Abram changed his posture. The Bible says he fell on his face. Your posture towards God will determine how he responds to us. You got to get on your face. You got to get in his presence. We must embrace the correct protocol when we commune with the king. We get so familiar with God that we forget who he really is. You have access to the God of heaven. And we walk in here, we just lack the days to go, we break focus by saying, I can't believe they playing that, or they didn't play my song, or they get in his presence. You want your circumstance to change, you gotta invite the one who can change it. There's things going on in your life that you can't cut a check for. Only God can do it. Listen, Abraham, you've been struggling, brother. You've been making decisions that will never produce the promise. You went into Hagar, you went down to Egypt and lied. Come on, somebody. You wasted a whole chapter in my Bible praying for a cousin or nephew. Come on, somebody. You wasted time with people. If God can't change you, what makes you think you can? Young people, your friends are like elevators. They either take you up or take you down. Stop enjoying the elevator music. Get off. Abram changed 
your posture. When Abraham laid on his face, God then stood up. David gives us this protocol in Psalm 100. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do you get through the gates of God? You got to be thankful. I'm from the project, slept three to a bed, barely no meals. Every time at night at midnight, I walk my dog out. His last outing, I turn around and look at my home and I just bless the name of the Lord. See, you don't know where I came from. I look at my little vehicles. They ain't new, but I bless God for them. Thank God for shoes on my feet that I can have a meal. Are you thankful today, church? Or you think you've done everything in your own power to get what you have? You're deceived. You better thank God. He said, you come in by being thankful. He says, then you get into his courts with praise. Stop waiting till Sunday morning to praise God. You should have praise time every day. The most sacred space in my house is my shower. Come on, somebody. I got four kids. I can't hide nowhere but in the shower. And then I got to lock the door because everybody got a question. Don't you see me crying out to God in prayer? Bro, you better wait. Get some space where you're praising the Lord. Stop listening to talk radio on your ride to work. Why don't you listen to the word and get some praise on? That'll do more for you than some commentator, some news outlet. You're so worried about the world that you're not letting his presence invade your space. We politicking. You're more concerned about who's the president and never invited your neighbor to church. You're forgetting the mission. There's only one savior, and it doesn't come by government. Don't matter who's in the White House. What are you doing to push the mission forward? Get inboxed all the time. The message I was going to speak today was birth during COVID with all the injustice stuff. It wasn't for the world, it was for the church. God wants you to walk in love. Agape love. The true mark of a believer is how you mature in your love. You want to be light to the world? Have somebody over for dinner that don't look like you. You ain't got to post about it. Just live it. You only can change the world one relationship at a time, not one Facebook post at a time. No matter what CNN or Fox say, they going to hell. If they don't know Jesus Christ, no matter their opinion, they going to hell. If Mike Brown or Breonna Taylor or any injustice, what we call death happened, if they can raise from the dead, they will not tell you to march. If they didn't make it, they're going to tell you to know Jesus. And if they did make it, they're going to tell you to know Jesus. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I got to hurry up. And I am black in America. And my mother was unjustly murdered. Oh, it's quiet in this church. The root of all injustice is sin. So why are we focusing on the fruit instead of getting to the root? Stop engaging in conversations if you're not doing nothing. I don't care if you march. Just make sure you give a gospel presentation at the end. 
don't care if you go storm the Capitol, just preach to somebody. I'm not saying go storm the Capitol. <laughs> Think y'all hear my heart in what I'm saying. Everybody want to show up for the world, but do nothing for the kingdom. If you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you got a kingdom mandate. I got to get, I got 10 minutes, y'all. So it's interesting in this text that David give us protocol to a king. Stop being so familiar with God that we forget who he is. This protocol, we serve a king. So when we approach our king, you got to come being thankful. You, and to get in this court, you got to get praise. Why didn't David finish the text? Let me guys know there's a holies of holies. We couldn't finish the text because Jesus hadn't died. So in order to finish how to get to the holies of holies, you got to read Matthew 27, verse 51. When Jesus died on the cross, the scripture says this, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain was 60 feet high, 30 feet in width, and four inches thick. It tore from top to bottom. Why did it tear from top to bottom? Because if it tore bottom to top, then that means a human could have tore it. What was God saying to mankind? Now you come directly to me. You don't need a mediator. You have access straight to the presence of God. All right, let me hurry up. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Number two. If you have the question of, so what now, God? You got to embrace a new you. You're a new person. You are either a prisoner of your past or a pioneer of your future. Stop attempting to take, bring your yesterdays into your tomorrows. They hate each other. Stop bringing enemies to the table of your home. You are not where you come from. You are not what happened to you at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That is not who you are. You are not an event. Listen, Abraham, stop looking back. As a matter of fact, I'm so tired of you looking back that I'm going to change your name. Verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Was he a father of many nations? No, he made him one. Why did he change his name? Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. There's only one exalted father. So God had to change his name. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So he's an exalted father for 75, 99 years. God changed his name. So all of his servants, his wives, everybody is now saying, Abraham, he's building faith. I don't think y'all hear me, church. So every time, remember that, remember that scene in Lion King? When the hyenas is talking to Scar and they talking about Mufasa? He was like, Mufasa, say it again. He was like, Mufasa, he was like, ooh, say it again. <laughs> I just see Abraham, Father Abraham, what? Ooh, say it again. <laughs> brother, they said that brother name so much that Sarah was about to get it. What you listen to determines what happens in you. So you listening to Cardi B and the baby. What 
kind of rap name is the baby? You're a grown man talking about the baby. I gotta remember my audience. Kenny Chesney is somebody. <laughs> Garth Brooks or Celine Dion. What you listen to determines what's formed in you. So you need to change your language. It don't matter what you face. We are called to walk by and not by. It's not about what you see, Abram. It's about what's written. But the problem is we spend too much time on Facebook instead of in his book. Abram changed his name. As a matter of fact, he put an H in his name. He breathed his spirit in him. Let's do some research on the Hebrew letter of that H. It's powerful. I got to move on. I got five minutes. The incorruptible seed of the road of God is what changes things. Never complain about what you permit. You're mad at your husband because of something that happened to you at 16. Get to the root of it. You're angry at your wife because of what your dad didn't do for you. Get to the root of it. It is quiet. God wants to do a new thing in a new person. In the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Paul said, you were crucified with him. You no longer live. Stop going to the grave and digging up the dead man. Let him die. Leave him there. Shouldn't be in front of you. I know the statistics of where I come from. 50% high school dropout rate. Nearly 50% of brown men are in prison. Do you hear me? I know where I come from. But greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. And you got your own statistics. Come on. I know white privilege is real. Come on, somebody. We don't want privilege. We want grace. Privilege only gets you so far. I want the favor of God on my life. You're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Abraham, stop tripping. If you need a cultural translation of anything I say today, just see Aubrey. Number three, as the worship team comes, I believe they're coming. You got to believe that God will do it. You got to believe that God will do it. When you up against a mountain, when you got the question in your mind of so what now? So now what? What do I do? You got to muster up through the word of God and build faith in you that move mountains. See, we forget that the Bible is alive. 
but it only works effectively in you. Isn't that what the Bible says? It's a sword that pierces every part of who you are, spiritual body. But you gotta sow it. God's provision for your life are in his promises. But whatever you're ignorant to, you cannot partake of. I just heard a Barner report that nearly 67% of Christians do not have a daily reading habit of their Bible. Are you kidding me? How are you surviving? Listen, Abraham, in this verse is three different times, God said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant. God will do it. But you don't know his will if you don't get in his will. This is God's will. It does not matter if your great-granddad left you 200,000 if you don't get access to the will. It's been sitting there and you can't touch it because you have no access. God has never left. And we have his access. What do you do when you're up against a mountain? You got to get in God's presence. In his presence is fullness of joy, not half. It's full. In his presence are pleasures forevermore. You got to get in his presence. It's easy. Just invite him. God only goes places he's invited. I stand at the door and knock. Why isn't he kicking it in? Because he only goes where he's invited. And just because you go and come to church doesn't mean you're inviting him anywhere. When you read the apostasy and everything that happened to Paul and at the end of his letters, he's naming people that left him, forsook him. They were all Christians. They all went to church. Don't matter that you come to church. The question is, do you know him? See, I could FaceTime Andy Dalton right now. You know of him because you watched him. I can FaceTime Marcus Hunt, who was a defensive end here. I, can, I know him. You only know of him. See, it does not know. It doesn't matter if you know of Jesus. The question is, do you know him? Where are you? There's only one way you can face this mountain. You cannot do it alone. It starts at surrender. Have you truly surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you if he's your Savior. My question to you is, is he your Lord? If he says go right, do you go right? Have you completely bowed your will to him? Because guess what? He's not snatching your will. It's called free will. Have you given it to Jesus? Every head bowed, every eye closed, even those online. If you are here, if you've never truly made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, not Savior, not friend, not church-going Jesus, I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible. I'm not even talking about the Jesus of Abraham, Isaac, and 
Jacob. I'm not talking about the Jesus that's foreshadowed in the New Testament. I'm not even talking about the Jesus who walked the Sea of Galilee. I'm talking about the Jesus who John saw. Come on, somebody. When John saw him, he laid on his face like dead. Do you know that, Jesus? The Jesus that's coming back with a sword in his mouth and fire in his eyes. Do you know that, Jesus? The Bible says it's very simple to make him Lord. You repent of your sins. You recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. The Bible says you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raises from the dead, you shall be saved. Have you truly done that? I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And by act of faith, I'm going to ask you to raise your, raise your hand when I count to three. The raising the hand don't mean nothing. It's just an act of faith to show God by faith that you want to say yes to Jesus. So if you're watching online all over the country and you in this room, if you want to say yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, slip your hand up. One, two, three. All over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you over here. Thank you. Everyone put your hands down. For those also watching online, let's all pray this together as a family. Even if you didn't raise your hand, let's gather together in community as family and talk to our God. Say this after me by faith. Say, Father in heaven, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe that you came to the earth. You died for my sins. You were buried in the grave. Yet you rose again on the third day for me. In you alone, I put my faith, I put my trust, and I put my hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can y'all give the Lord a shout of praise in this place? And transformed in this room and online. So good. So good. So good. I, I'm, I was ready for part two. How about you? I, I was good. Uh, Love Lamoris, don't you give him a big hand. Thank him for coming today. Thank you for giving uh, to bless him and uh, show appreciation uh, to him today for his ministry that just is like a, a word from the Lord that the Bible says does pierce our hearts and our lives. I hope the Lord not only shook you, but uh, you'll stay shaken as you go out of this place, maybe make some changes, some alterations to your life. 67% not reading the Bible. I hope that's not a statistic of this church, uh, that you uh, get into God's Word each day and allow it to speak to you and change you because it can, it will. And uh, it, it will do that every, every day. Next week, we start a new series of messages to lead us up to Easter. We're going to be talking about the Romans Road, a simple gospel. Uh, the gospel's really simple. Some of you trip up trying to share it with somebody else. And sometimes the enemy wants to say, you don't know enough. You, you're not going to get it right. 
you know, what if I ask you something you don't know, and what if anybody ever have that voice come in your head and, and slows you down and keeps you quiet? And all over the next three weeks, I'm going to empower you to preach the gospel to any person on this planet, to be able to say it clearly, to say it precisely to say it from the Word of God. You're going to be empowered so that you can share it with somebody else. And God's going to use it over the next three weeks to bring other people who don't know the gospel into the kingdom of God. If you've got unsaved friends, co-workers, or family members, get them here over the next three weeks because I think that'll change, all right? As we talk about the simple gospel of Jesus. And then... Uh, Easter is a coming. So uh, it's going to be a good next four weeks. So don't miss any of those weeks. We're going to stand together and worship the Lord once again. And uh, I want to pray a blessing over you as we do every week. And ask God just to be with us as we go out of this place. So many good things that Lamora said today. I, I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to quicken the one that you need to help remember. Maybe you need to go back to even listen to the message again so the Holy Spirit can refresh something that he was speaking and dealing with you about so you can enact it into your life. Let's pray and then after we sing, we'll dismiss from the back to the front and just go ahead and start leaving after we start singing. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house today. But we know it's not just being in your house, it's being in your presence. And so, God, we can do that, not just in this room, but we can do it in our room. We can do it in our shower. We can do it in our car. We can do it wherever. But, God, help us this week. If we've been guilty of not getting in your presence, to change that. If we've been also speaking things over our life that aren't accurate, then God, help us to start seeing it differently. Help us to start believing it differently. Help us, God, to see ourselves the way you see us. And help us, God, to fulfill the destiny that you have for our lives. And help us to take this city, this county, this area for your glory so that the kingdom can be enhanced and enlarged and people's lives can be changed. Instead of going to hell, they can go to heaven because of your eternal kingdom living in their lives. God, we pray your blessing upon us today. We thank you that your face shines upon us, that you're gracious unto us. Bless us in our coming and in our going and help us, God, to be life changers this week for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.